Welcome to the LDN Radio Show, brought to you by the LDN Research Trust. I'm your host, Linda Elsigood. I have an exciting lineup of guest speakers who are LDN experts in their field. We will be discussing low-dose naltrexone and its many uses in autoimmune diseases, cancers, etc. Thank you for joining us. This week, it's my pleasure to bring to you a presentation from the LDM Book Volume 2 Tour, October 2020. Dr. Adrian Junick, who's coming on now, she actually did, she's a functional medicine doctor in Ottawa. Uh, she practices as an integrative and functional medicine physician at the Ottawa Integrative Cancer Centre. She frequently incorporates interventions such as nutrition, herbal supplements, manual mind-body medicine to comp complement conventional medical therapies, and she offers patients an opportunity to dig deeper into the root causes of their symptoms through functional medicine's approach to health and wellness. And so I personally work with Dr. Junik. She is such a wealth of knowledge. She's also an ER doc at one of the local hospitals in Ottawa, and she also teaches at the Faculty of Medicine through the University of Ottawa um, for comp on complementary and alternative therapies. So she is just so excellent in bridging that gap, um, you know, in functional medicine between the two fields. So we're so excited to have you on today and have this discussion with you, Dr. Junik. Thank you so much, Linda. That was such a great discussion. And I'm, we're going to continuously refer people to, to the research trust um, when we don't have time to answer some of those questions today. Okay, thank you. Hi, Dr. Junik. Nice to have you on. Hi, Emma. Nice to see you. Thank you so much, Linda, for sharing your very inspiring story and uh, for hearing about all the wonderful accomplishments you've had with the LDN Research Trust. Mm -hmm. And I thought that was kind of a really neat, you know, when she was starting to talk about how MDs are looking for other options because there's a really big gap in the chronic pain area. I thought that was a perfect lead into our discussion because that's kind of the exact um, spot and position that you're in being a medical doctor and you know, the tools in the toolbox sometimes are a little bit limited, especially with chronic pain. So how does this fit into um, your practice and how do you see LDN and chronic pain in your practice? Well, uh, I, having an integrative and functional medicine practice, I've had a number of patients who are along the fibromyalgia spectrum. Um, so not being a rheumatologist, I may not be seeing the same uh, patient population that they are, but I have a number of people who come to see me with chronic pain, but not just chronic pain, it's chronic pain and central sensitization. So when we talk about pain, there's acute pain, there's acute with insidious onset related pain, there's neuropathic pain. And when we're talking about chronic pain, there's often a, a, a central sensitization component where the pain message in the brain is no longer connected to what we're feeling in the periphery. And so you can see things like pain at rest, burning, uh, numbness, uh, sharp shooting characteristics, a lot of the neurological neuropathic pain that is there at rest because the brain is receiving a, basically a false pain signal that's not related to what's going on in the body. And that's part of that sensitization that the body has undergone through being exposed to pain uh, for so long. So in my practice, I'm seeing patients who have fibromyalgia who have chronic pain, but who also have that sensitivity. So whether it be hyperalgesia, so very sensitive skin to light touch, uh, whether it be um, 
uh, pain above and beyond what should be expected with a normal movement, such as lifting and carrying shopping bags, um, and often uh, a component of, of exercise-induced myalgias, which is abnormal. So just carrying a few groceries from the car to the house. Um, many of my patients talk about how difficult it is to go grocery shopping because it leaves it can leave them in a pain flare for a day or two just by doing these simple activities of daily living that for most people shouldn't cause any issues. So these are some of the patients that I see in my practice that I would, um, you know, think about whether or not they'd have a diagnosis of true fibromyalgia. And if you look at the diagnostic criteria, of course, there's irritable bowel syndrome, um, comorbid uh, brain um, symptoms, sometimes brain fog, uh, migraines, headaches, uh, there's uh, pelvic pain, there's other related associated symptoms that come in with the fibromyalgia that could be related also to central sensitization in other parts of the body. Um, and then in all of those patients who come in, a lot of them have often tried everything that their family doctor has uh, to recommend. Uh, on the conventional medicine side, most of them have had some success with duloxetine or in Cymbalta, uh, which is one of the two off-label medicines actually uh, authorized for use in, in uh, fibromyalgia. And for all of those patients, I will discuss with them the opportunity of trying LDN because it's one medicine that I've seen in my practice has led to a range of 10 to 90% improvement in patients' baseline pain reduction flares. I've had patients feel cured from fibromyalgia. I've had other patients stop their conventional fibromyalgia medications because they have no longer needed them when they've been on the LDN. And in my experience and in my reading about it, it appears to be a very safe option to try with patients. Um, and in seeing them and consulting them, I'm acting as a consultant. So I'm writing letters back to their family doctors, usually who is the person who's referred them, describing them about LDN, how safe it is and encouraging that they might be able to be a prescriber as well um, if they would like to pick that up and trying to educate uh, other doctors about it too. Mm -hmm. oh, that, and I mean, I think that's so important having these discussions on the types of pains. Now, you know, I think the pendulum is swinging really, really quickly where it used to be, you know, oh, fibromyalgia, everybody, you know, that was kind of, frowned upon and people really had to advocate for themselves, but now starting to differentiate and understand the sensitization of the nervous system and what that means and how the therapeutics that we're giving to people with these sensitization of pain can actually exacerbate and worsen some pain. So then people are really left confused and overwhelmed and struggling because they have little to no options. Yeah, absolutely. Chronic pain is unfortunately something that we have a great difficulty treating because pain is not uh, pain is not from one molecule or one receptor. Uh, although we'd like to think that opioids are that magical uh, messenger cascade involved in pain, but pain is so much more than that. And so there's never one fits all solution uh, to chronic pain. Mm -hmm. And being on the alternative, and, and I mean, I think we should talk about what you do you know, in addition to LDN for these patients, but speaking on, you know, my side of things, because I can't prescribe, I cannot prescribe LDN, but with patients that are, they have such intense myopathy and chronic pain, you can't even begin to give them other therapeutics because it's extremely overwhelming and exhausting trying to even implement some of the dietary changes and supplement regimes that we're trying to do. So, you know, we have to make it really, really basic, but we need them to start feeling 
some relief so that we can move the momentum forward a little bit. So I think this is where LDN can really bridge that gap to allow people to physically notice a difference in some of their symptoms. Absolutely. I agree hundred percent. And so is it your goal? So how, how many pay would like, would you estimate, you know, if people are coming in with chronic pain, are you putting most of the people in your practice now on LDN or is it something that you're trying other therapeutics? And if other things aren't working, then you're kind of moving into LDN or how does, how is it working for your practice? Most of the patients who are coming to see me have often tried a number of conventional medicines and have sometimes uh, tried a number of other types of therapies. Um, and at the point that they're seeing me, and even if they hadn't tried a lot of these therapies, if I really, if I perform the assessment and I believe that this patient has fibromyalgia and a component of central sensitization, I'm offering LDN first. Um, in conjunction with any other conventional medicines, if the patient hasn't tried them, because that's part of my job description um, to offer all uh, different options. But I often recommend uh, LDN as probably a, a first line trial of therapy for, for these. And are patients and practitioners open to this? Like, are you getting pushback from um, family doctors when you are, you know, reaching out to them regarding implementing this therapy or what's the, you know, what's the feedback that you're getting? Yeah. So patients are always, you know, this is something that has really impressed me from becoming a complementary and integrative medicine practitioner is the patients I see, they're not these um, I'm using air quotes, granola patients who, you know, exclusively don't want medication, they just want natural therapies. Patients are pragmatic and realistic and want to get better. And so they say, doc, I'm just looking to try whatever helps. I don't care if it's conventional or alternative or off-label. I just want to get better. And people are really genuine in that desire. Um, so the patients have I've seen very little pushback uh, once they are properly educated on what low-dose naltrexone is because it is not an addictive medicine. It's not an opioid. So it's not uh, something that patients who have, you know, history of addiction problems should be worried about. Um, and when it comes to family doc, when it comes to other prescribers, uh, I've, I've typically seen people just a complete lack of familiarity with LDN, maybe even having heard of its use as a low-dose agent, uh, not knowing anything about the indications, um, because it's just, it's just not a part of conventional medical training to bring, to bring it in. So, uh, usually I'm just trying to play the role of educating them. I haven't seen a lot of pushback, but I haven't gotten a whole lot of feedback from my letters. So it's hard to say, but, uh, usually among my colleagues, there's very pleasant, uh, interest and curiosity. Um, and so I could be surrounding myself by open-minded, uh, peers. Uh, but I think there is also a bit of a, a fundamental shift that's that's slowly moving where doctors are bit by bit <laughs> trying to be a little bit more open-minded, a little bit more patient-centered, and maybe not necessarily looking outside of the box, but becoming the kind of person that when prompted to would be willing to read over something new that the patient brings. So I hope that for the future of medicine that will continue. Yes, for sure. And you said something really, you know, um, really important, I think, is that the type of patients that we're seeing, it doesn't matter to people anymore when they're so ill, whether something is natural or not. It's just finding something that will potentially work and us putting our egos aside so we can try things that are safe, relatively low risk, um, to see if it'll work, right? And, and to me, that's 
and something that's not, um, you know, dependency isn't a huge risk. Cause I think that's the biggest thing with a lot of pain treatments is there's a big, yes, yes. There's a concern there. And one point I wanted to mention is, um, Doctors will be familiar with the use of naltrexone, although at the high dose, the typical 50 milligram uh, dose uh, in addiction medicine. Um, and so uh, where it's actually a, a approved and indicated for alcohol uh, use disorder, I think is the main current indication in addiction medicine. And so I have had a few patients say, oh, why uh, their, their family doctors say, oh, why are you on this medicine? This is for, for use as addiction. Are you, are you an addict? Or did you have addiction problems before? And so I typically will include that in my conversation. So, you know, your doctor or a doctor you meet who who sees you on this medicine, they might make that assumption. And so just be aware that this medicine is also used in that situation. And it's not how we're using it for you, but it's the way it's perceived by um, other people who are reviewing it, who are familiar with that use as well. Yeah, super important to bring that up sometimes because I think people are like, oh my gosh, maybe they don't know about, you know, why this is being prescribed for me. So it's always better to let people know in advance. Do you think this is something that will potentially be taught at medical school or is it, are there ripples of conversations about this at conferences in Canada at all? Um, in medical school, we are taught about an approach to prescribing something off-label and it's really um, part of that patient a centered medicine approach that's uh, become very central to medical education. And so the idea is to review the medicine, review the risks and benefits with the patient so that they obtain um, appropriate consent for using something that is technically off-label. But if the practitioner is happy to prescribe and the patient accepts uh, any possible risks that could come with the potential benefits with this medicine, that it's okay to use your clinical judgment instead of just strictly following guidelines. Um, there have been so many guidelines for everything coming out in medicine, and we have to remember to take a step back and to also continue to use our clinical judgment um, and weighing risks and benefits when we're prescribing things because, you know, as I alluded to before, patients just want to get better. They don't care what, what the treatment is. Um, they just want to try whatever might work. For sure, especially when there's so much limited, really limited options, especially with chronic pain. Now, with your patients that you are using it more, um, how long, like, is it something that you prescribe to someone and they're just on it long term? Is it something that they use for a while and come off? Like, how are you prescribing it in terms of? So when it comes to using LDN in pain, I find that the fibromyalgia patients will respond within anywhere from a week to three months oh, uh, wow. depending on the patient. Um, the, the three months, that was probably an outlier. She had a number of other uh, health issues, even above and beyond uh, many of my others. So I think in, that could have attributed, you know, she may have been a bit of a unique case, but I typically would see results within uh, an average of a few weeks. Uh, so I, I typically would advise taking it for about a month. Uh, I, I would say one, three months to, to give a full trial to really see, but with the pain world, um, in contrast to what we're seeing with possibly autoimmunity and other uh, indications there where one might need to be on the medicine for a little longer. In the pain realm, the effects seem to be a little bit quicker. So a period of weeks to months before we see an effect. Uh, if patients do have an effect, I will warn them that if they, this is a medicine that they 
would probably need to continue in order to continue to see the effects. I've had patients go off of it and have their pain slowly return over time uh, when they're not on the medicine and then they go back on and it seems to return them back to the pain relief that they've had. So it does seem to be something that is needed to be taken on a regular basis. That said, if the patient has been able to do a lot of other work, um, you know, improve their sleep, exercise routine and diet and start introducing another other a number of other interventions to their life, maybe they can get to the point where they don't need the medicine. And that would be incredible. Uh, but in my experience, I haven't seen that quite yet. Okay. Okay. And do you find that, um, cause I was chatting with some of the pharmacists and, you know, because they're the one, they see a lot of people coming in, getting their LDN prescriptions. Do you find that for some people it'll work really, really well for a set amount of time and then it might stop working or do you see that a lot or do you just see consistent results? I would say uh, the results that I've seen so far have been relatively consistent, um, but I've only been doing my integrative practice for, I've only done it for about two years and actually I'm just coming off of maternity leave. So I've been off for a little while. Um, so I wouldn't say I've followed anyone for uh, enough, uh, aside from a period of up to about two years uh, to know if there is any kind of uh, wear off of the medicine. Okay. That's, uh, well, that's, you know, one week. So within one week, you're seeing some people actually get significant decreases in the intensity starting to respond starting to respond within a week yeah wow that is incredible and what do you typically use you know I know I'm putting you on the spot and it's always hard as a practitioner when someone's like what do you use for this but I know these are the types of questions that we always get are there other because in the realm of sensitization when we're working on kind of calming down that um, stimulation of the central nervous system, are there other compounds that you typically use alongside with LDN? Uh, not in particular. I usually recommend LDN first um, or uh, alongside conventional medicines if they haven't tried duloxetine, which is the main one uh, that patients have come in telling me they've had good relief with. Okay. Um, and uh, I, I would say go one, one, one step at a time to really understand what is giving you benefit and not. Um, I do have a lot of patients who have used cannabis um, as well, can, usually cannabis oil. Um, and I've heard of a number of cases where people are using topical cannabis cream when their pain is more localized and having good effect, it, results with that. So that's something that I've seen a lot of patients use. I haven't prescribed cannabis per se, but I will refer patients to a cannabis prescribing clinic. Um, and a number of patients now with the, with the legalization of marijuana and cannabis products are able to go and find products on their own as well. Um, otherwise, I would say I'm really just taking that functional medicine approach to looking at the patient's diet, uh, lifestyle factors, uh, what's their gut like, inflammation, uh, mitochondrial energy production, and taking that functional medicine approach to try and optimize uh, other aspects of the patient's health uh, that could impact their pain as well. Okay, but you're using the LDN first. I think that's really, really interesting to actually get them some relief first before we start delving into the you know complications of the other things that we're doing to support the other areas of the body that obviously need support because it's been so effective i'll tell you a couple of very brief case reports i had uh, a young girl uh, probably her late 20s she was in the military for a number of years had a couple of surgeries and a back injury and she ended up being uh, put out on a medical uh, leave of absence in indefinitely, um, labeled with fibromyalgia, uh, some anxiety and PTSD related symptoms, um, which unfortunately is, is not that rare in military, um, and a little bit of IBS. So not a terribly complicated integrative patient, uh, relatively speaking, um, put her on low dose naltrexone and she came back to me. She said she'd been able to stop Ciprolex 
um, and she could walk and travel and hike again for the first time where she wouldn't be able to exercise or do any kind of um, any kind of movement outside of her regular just daily activities to get out of the house and buy groceries and, and move around. So she was actually one of my patients with a nearly 90% uh, reduction in her pain and she would be probably considering herself as a cure of her fibromyalgia, which is fantastic. Um, I have another patient who, uh, fibromyalgia, uh, hypothyroidism, uh, some weight issues, possibly some gut uh, microbiome issues. Um, and uh, I had just recommended LDN for her quite early or perhaps she came to me requesting it. Um, and within a month she had come back telling me that, and she was in tears, she said, Dr. Junik, I was able to button the coat of my child uh, for the first time without my fingers and hands feeling painful and causing pain in my arms. And when she told me that, I realized that, you know, all of the information I asked her to share with me about her pain, you know, does nothing to really reflect the true experience that these people go through day to day living with fibromyalgia and living with chronic pain. And when she told me that story of her just doing the simple act of buttoning her child's coat, it just... You know, it gave me a, a great feeling inside that I was able to do something simple as write on a piece of paper and make such a difference in her life. So those are two of a couple of memorable stories that I've had. Yeah, those are, you know, incredible stories. And I think that is, you know, even me hearing that you get reminded sometimes of therapeutics where we get really caught up in what we're doing and we don't look at what's new and what's being people are really talking about. So I think this is why we wanted to have this conversation is to open up the floor, especially in Canada, we're the only pharmacy, we're the only um, one of these lectures going on in Canada, the rest are in the States, but I think we really want to push forward and make sure that people understand that this is safe and clinically we are seeing success with a number of different cases and, and patients. So, um, you know, these discussions are incredibly important. And uh, so the one last thing I wanted to ask you about is, as with cannabis, you already kind of made that connection a little bit. Uh, I know cannabis is sort of touted as a panacea where everything can be treated with cannabis. Sometimes I think there's when um, we hear of all the conditions being treated by LDN, um, I have gotten questions, how can it possibly treat anything? So I was just curious in your practice, what are the main things? So, so we're talking about chronic pain and central sensitization and fibro. Are there other conditions that you typically would use it first line for? Um, first line, no. Um, fibromyalgia would be the main one where I would offer it first line. Um, but then again, in my practice, it ends up being one of the things that I'm bringing up for a variety of patients because they have tried a lot of other therapies. And so I've, I've offered it to a number of patients with multiple sclerosis. I had a patient who with uh, myasthenia gravis who was... Um, basically handed over to me from a previous doctor who was prescribing naltrexone who moved to another country. Um, so a couple of autoimmune conditions, one patient also with scleroderma. Um, so in that realm, I've used it uh, in a couple of patients with cancer. Um, I've used it, uh, I would use it, I would like to use it in a patient with Crohn's disease uh, because there's actually some decent data there, especially with pediatric Crohn's, although I just haven't had the opportunity yet. Um, those would be probably the main indications that I'm seeing would be kind of on the autoimmune spectrum pain and occasionally as an adjunct therapy in, in cancer. 
Okay. Okay. Yeah. Cause I, there are quite a few questions coming up around kidney disease, OCD, that sort of thing. Um, so that's not something that you would typically use first line. Um, in do you mean in response to the question and answer poll? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, so with, where it says, can people with chronic kidney disease use LDN? Uh, my interpretation of that question might be somebody who has uh, like, a, like a renal failure. Um, and because LDN is metabolized and cleared by the liver, it shouldn't be an issue if somebody has kidney problems to be using LDN. Um, and as for OCD, you know, I've, I've heard of a couple of anecdotal reports on its use in autism or... Um, like behavioral spectrum related disorders with dementia. Um, I haven't really seen a whole lot in the way of data there. So I would consider it, you know, off label in those cases. If a patient was interested and they were appropriately followed by someone also offering conventional therapy, uh, I, I don't see because of the lack of major risks with this medicine. I don't see why it couldn't be pursued as a trial, but I would understand if there were doctors that are more hesitant to use it in those situations because there's just, I'm not aware of a whole lot of information in that. I would advise reviewing the LDN Research Trust website for uh, articles there. Anything we can't answer, they've got all the information there. Um, I know I said I had one last question, but now I have another question now that we're chatting. Do you use, um, inflammatory mark like are you looking at inflammatory markers or any lab values in these patients before and after LDN treatment is that so that's an excellent question um uh, I have a, a partner who uh, or an associate who is in research and um I, we've come up with a, an article that talked about ESR uh, levels and about that potentially being a reflector of a, a patient's response to LDN. I have not, I had not been doing that. I was probably ordering a DS in ESR as a baseline uh, for a number of my patients. I don't find that all fibromyalgia patients are inflamed, mm -hmm. um, at least at the point that they're coming to see me. A lot of my patients have done extensive work on, on lifestyle medicine and, and diet. So it could be a product of that uh, as well. Um, so no, I haven't been using any markers. I've been going my clinical response. Mm -hmm. I think the only other thing I'd like to add, which I remember seeing on your, uh, sneaky, uh, previous question and answer, uh, recommendations is just briefly commenting on the mechanism of its use in chronic pain. Mm -hmm. Um, as the trust website, uh, indicates there's, there's two enantiomers of the LDN molecule. And one of them, uh, is an opioid blocker. And so when I talk about the rationale for use of this medicine in my patients, I tell them about morphine and opiates and about the use of medicines like naloxone to take patients out of a, a heroin coma uh, in the emergency room, for example. And naltrexone is a relative of that that we're using at an extremely low concentration, at a low dose, and it's used in a pulsed manner. So we use it at nighttime. Um, and when the LDN is administered, we apply a very small break onto the patient's natural opiate system. And because it's small, the brain is able, or the brain and the nervous system say, hmm, how come my opiate message isn't quite getting through and begins to upregulate the natural opioid response um, intrinsically to overcome the small blockade? And that's where uh, I think um, Linda alluded to the, the pulsatile manner of LDN. And so in chronic pain and fibromyalgia, the pulsatile nature is by giving it daily in a small pulse at nighttime to promote that uh, upregulation and change. Um, and usually by the morning, the effects of the medicine have worn off. Oh, that's, that is the best explanation I have heard that, uh, oh, you know, because we know it's kind of this ancient endogenous, the opioid system and the cannabinoid system are these interesting endogenous systems that we have. So 
Very good. I'm going to steal that from you when I'm explaining it. And if you didn't get the video or there's people joining without video, the hand motions are helpful too, to uh, give patients a little bit of visual feedback on that explanation too. For sure. Well, thank you, Junik. Dr. Junik, this was extremely useful. Um, if your questions didn't get answers, we do have a lot of speakers coming up. And so, uh, and there is the LDN Research Trust that has tons of information really appreciate you joining us today. That was such an excellent interview. So have a lovely day and thanks for taking the time to speak with me today. Thank you so much for having me. Any questions or comments you may have, please email me, linda, L-I-N-D-A, at ldnrt.org. I look forward to hearing from you. Thank you for joining us today. We really appreciated your company. Until next time, stay safe and keep well.